The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Third time's the charm. Uh, Took us a little bit to get it, uh, well, recording. Uh, Interesting stuff going on in in the league. Obviously, there's the trade and another trade. Um, definitely, definitely lesser. Uh, we have a couple of teams to take a closer look at. Uh, where do you want to start? Oh, there's so much to talk about. Do we, do we start with the big one just to get it out of the way? Or do we save that? I I'm thinking that since it's the big thing, it's what we should talk about. You want to start? If you want to start at the top, we'll start at the top. Um, I'm, uh, I'm okay with that. Let's start at the top. The, the big uh, news of the week. After weeks of speculation, after a surprisingly team-friendly contract, over, after months and months of negotiations, Pierre-Luc Dubois has been traded. Um, he is now a member of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I found the trade somewhat fascinating um, because it was effectively built around two somewhat troubled players. Uh, and, well, they always, I mean, they, and when I say they, I mean pundits, talking heads, uh, supposed experts, people like that. You know, the, and, and I said it before about, about, about Corey Schneider. Maybe he needs a new, you know, a fresh start, a new place to begin Yep. Uh, is you know, but I I'm just wondering as as streaky a player as Patrick Line is, and I understand that he and and Dubois went in the same draft, but is is the return to Columbus enough for what they lost in Pierre Luc Dubois? That's probably the single best question of the trade. Um, and when you come down to when you come down to it and look at the fact that Patrick Line is done after this season, the answer is probably not. Um, if they don't re-sign him or flip him for some other asset at, uh, between now and the trade deadline that is going to stick around, uh, there's. This is uh, a resume-generating event. I don't know how important a trade piece Jack Jack Roslovic was in the deal, but they did turn around and sign him to two years, 3.8 total. Which is is a solid little uh, deal for him. Well, for him, I mean, he's just finishing up his – He's finishing up his entry level. No, actually, this season is the start of this new contract. He wasn't playing. He was an RFA. Correct. So it's an it, it is a little bit of a race for him because this he, I mean last season he played for uh, just over one million one point one, and now he's up just a hair over two mil. So it's a nice little pay raise for him. And he's going home. He's yeah, a Columbus Ohio the, kid. That's the big thing for him. They were showing video of him wearing Columbus Blue Jackets jersey when he was a kid playing uh, 
when he was playing in, in Bantams or whatever younger youth league he was in, or was he, or he maybe he was in some kind of Columbus youth program. What I didn't see yes, the whole story. Uh, he played he played Bantam hockey U sixteens U eighteens for the Ohio Blue Jackets. Um, yeah, so he had his he had his Blue Jackets jersey. They got the same emblem. I mean, made a big deal about it, and it's great that he's going home. And for some people, playing it in playing at home brings out an extra level in their play playing ability. The the you, know, you get a little bit more up for a home game because you're playing in front of fan you're playing in front of fans that are from the same area you are and whatnot. I think it's good for him. I'm but just he nervous. He can't be the biggest return for the for the team. No. If he's the big return, unless he suddenly turns into a turns in thirty goals this season and thirty goals next season, um as I said, for it would be a uh, resume gener- generating event for Yamo uh, Kikalina. Uh, so, <laughs> one of the one of the things that's perpetually talked about is uh, whenever a player, particularly a young player, wants out, is why, 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 why Columbus <laughs> isn't the biggest town in the NHL by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I've been there. Um, it's. I've been it, in Ohio, but it was for the NFL hall of fame. Right. I've been to Columbus. It, it will remind people a lot of Boston. Um, or it reminded me a lot of Boston in some ways, uh, the same sort of Irish pubs and, uh, similar foods. um, for but definitely definitely smaller um it's not it's not new york city it's not la it's not toronto um and i think that for some people it's probably not stimulating enough uh there's an interview uh two of us both watched uh on sportsnet um pierre-luc dubois detailing they say detailing why he wanted the trade out of columbus um, what, what stood out to you in that video? The absolute lack of detailing for one thing. Uh, he sat down with, is it Ron McLean from yes. Hockey Night in Canada? Yep. Sat down with Ron McLean. It's about five minutes long. And yeah, the, the, the detailing, he spent, he spends an awful lot of time saying, um, uh, and he's not a Polish speaker. No, no. But he reiterates over and over again the same thing about how it's good for him and and getting out and whatnot. There was only one snippet of it. Okay, the one thing that I thought about throughout the whole thing was he's not blaming the players. Correct. He's not blaming John Tortorella. He did talk about John and, and how other people told him that this is the type of coach he was and this, that, and everything else. But when he said, at, toward the end, he said that people are going to blame it on that, but that's not the reason. If it's not the coach, it's not the teammates, that only leaves one thing, and that's ownership. Well, it leaves three things, really. And we'll get, uh, but go ahead with the ownership tact. 
and I don't understand unless he has issues dealing with Yamo Kikalainen in the front office. I, I, he's not, he, and he said in the interview that he wasn't going to give details. Yes. But it's supposed to be an interview detailing. Well, that's again media marketing. Um, <laughs> and well, yeah. If, so if, you believe, if you believe headlines, that's your own damn fault. I, I was trying to read between the lines. I just, I just didn't get that there was a lot of any fresh information telling us anything different than we already knew. That's fair. What I took away from it was that this was the only time that his voice changed and his expression changed a little bit, and it wasn't huge, was when he started talking about the negotiations for the contract. I don't think... I don't know that Yarmo Kikalainen necessarily approached, or I don't know that Pierre-Luc Dubois and his camp believe that Yarmo Kikalainen approached the negotiations in a way that actually made the made uh, made PLD feel he wanted to stay there long term, feel like he was actually valued as part of the team, and if what he's saying is true. When you add it on to the players who have departed in the last couple of years, assuming that, you know, I said that it's not just ownership, there's the general manager, there's ownership, and there's the city and fans. The city, the city could be an issue. It could be an actual issue for people who want a bigger city. I mean, most of the Russian players who come over are from the Moscow area. They're used to a thriving metropolis with oodles of people in a fairly small area. I mean, 20% of the Russian population lives in the uh, in the Moscow metropolitan area. Okay. Um, that's like 20 million or so people out of the 100 and change uh, all over Russia. You know, people from the Toronto area. Toronto is, again... 20% of the uh, Canadian population. Um, they're looking for a bigger city. Um, they're not used to it. I mean, most Canadians live in, live fairly close to a big city. There's not much, <clears throat> there's not much of the population that lives in teeny tiny towns uh, or even just at what you and I would consider a small town, you know, anywhere in Western mass. Um, and some people are just never going to be comfortable. I I don't like cities, but okay. Um, and so ownership, general manager, city. There's probably more than one factor. Um, Pierre Dubois is from Saint Agathe uh, de Mons, Quebec. His his father were his father. His father worked yes. for the Manitoba Moose. Correct. So in some ways, he's heading heading pseudo home. Yes. Because he's going where his father and mother are in Manitoba. You know, Winnipeg, Manitoba. You know, he's going to be closer to family. So it's a nice turnaround for both him and Roslovic. The only one who's really, I guess, being uprooted is Line A, and he's nowhere near his home country anyway. So. Uh, 
if it's the city, I don't know how much the city warmed up to him over the first few seasons. He uh, was not particularly noticeable over the first couple of years. He had four, his rookie season, played in all 82 games, 48 points. Which is solid, um, which is which, very, very solid. In, improved that in 1819, 82 games again, and got 61 points. Had a little bit of a drop off last season, 70 games, 49 points. I mean, still, the numbers are still trending upward, but it. it yeah. He might have, he, he probably would have gotten close to the 61 he had the year before. Yes. Uh, the one thing you can say about him is durable, hasn't missed a game yet. Correct. I I worried about the two years, $10 million contract only because I thought Dubois was going to get more. I thought when they finally settled on that number, yes, it's what they call a bridge contract nowadays. Uh, bridge contract, in his case, sort of was a signal that they weren't keeping him around long because that's a friendly contract to try and trade to somebody else. Um, so I, I, I think this personal opinion, I think this was the plan all along was that he was not going to whether he wanted to be there or not. I got the impression that Columbus didn't want to keep him. See, I I I'm starting to wonder how much Columbus and whether it's ownership or management wants to keep any high end high price player. Because if you look at look at the past six or seven years, everyone has either been traded out or lo- or lost to free agency, who's made more than like six or seven million a year. Except Connor uh, David. Out of Columbus. Oh, out of Columbus, I, you, uh, I took anybody to mean anybody in the league. Yes, I, I Columbus. Columbus seems to be like the Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Rays of the hockey world. They they keep players and they only until they, they have to pay them. Yes, Tampa Bay Rays same way. They have all this great pitching talent, but the minute their contract comes due and they're going to get a huge payday, Fair they're well. traded somewhere else. And that could be could that be also a could that also be a statement on the that market itself Columbus again like you said not a not a huge market in fact I would consider it small market compared to obviously the Boston's New York Chicago's LA's it's oh, a small it's, market it's so, absolutely going to be in the bottom third as far as like city size or metropolitan area size however you want to measure it um but you know you start you go back to heck I think wasn't Marion Gabrick there years and years ago yes so Marion Gabrick, Rick Nash, um, you had Bobrovsky, Panarin uh, last year. Um, this is uh, this is a trend. It, it's uh, it's William. becoming a noticeable trend. If you really really want to stretch it out, you could say William Carlson. But <laughs> uh, I mean, he was did. he making that much money? He wasn't making that much money. The, the issue with him was that he wasn't. He also wasn't performing. He couldn't stay with the club. How he's turned into the player he has been is its own story for another time. But I, yeah, I, the big talent just they don't want to. Once it comes time to pay, 
they're looking a different direction. And, and yeah. that's that's worrisome. Like that's worrisome for the long term health of the franchise. Because while you don't absolutely need to have the best talent in the league in order to win a Stanley Cup, you don't win with three third lines and a fourth line. You just don't. Uh, yeah. Am I saying take, that's what Columbus's roster looks like today? No. Take the Boston Bruins, for example, back in the 80s, 90s. Charlie Jacobs, uh, the the knock on him was that he did just enough to get the teams into the playoffs, get that yes. second level of, of, of ticket sales. Yep. Wasn't concerned about winning a cup, just wanted to get to that second level and make a little extra cash at the end of the year by getting to the playoffs. And by getting to the playoffs, that should be enough to appease the fans. Oh, yeah, that so, was that was the that was the plan in Boston for uh, JJ's entire tenure as the figurehead of the league of the team. So it's not that this is unprecedented. So does that that begs the question, then, is this an ownership issue? Are they tying Yarmo Kikalainen's hands? Because that's what it sounds like to me. If we're going to go down this road then it sounds to me like Yarmo's hands are tied behind his back. He's negotiating with one hand and, and one eye closed or something. I don't know, but I mean, are you, are you going to say that this is, we're looking at another uh, Milbury Wang situation where there's just not either the money or the interest in, Oh, okay. Yeah. And you can't blame the general manager for the fumbles of ownership getting involved. Well, I, I because at this point Kiko Linen has been there. Uh, it'll be but you never it'll be hear, eight years in a couple of weeks. But you never hear you never of, hear ownership's and, names. You never hear anything of him. But you never hear anything of him. His job being threatened, or you know, is he on the hot seat? Or I mean, they haven't advanced much farther out of the, you know, much deeper into the playoffs than, than they have recently. I and mean, at some point, don't you expect that you want to take that next step? So if he's not performing, ownership would be threatening him, but yet you never hear that he's, his job is in danger. I mean, he's one of the longest tenured general managers in the league at this point. Well, yeah, with the names crossed off on my list, she's, <laughs> I think it comes down to him, Bergevin, and David Poyle. <laughs> I I can't think of uh, of anyone uh, off the list, off of that list, uh, worth worth mentioning or who's been around longer. I mean, Bergevin has been around a long time. Well, Mark Bergevin. <clears throat> Hired May 12, 2012. Now, he's actually been around longer than Yarmo Kikalainen, who was hired in 2013. Uh, and who was the other name that I threw out there? Just Oh, David Poyle. He's been GM of Nashville since 1997. Uh, yeah. The, the names and the way they've changed on this list, though. I mean, Stan Bowman's been around since 2009. He's he's not the longest tenured guy, Yarmo, but 
he's certainly not uh, what I would consider a new hire by any stretch. So, again, I reiterate, I I just think that this is a I think this is a situation where if we're going to go down that road, then, yes, it's ownership is uh, happy uh, or satisfied, maybe is the right word. And there the ownership are, group up the ownership up there is Ann Walton. Oh no, it's Colorado. Excuse me, wrong wrong team. John P. McConnell. I'm actually sh- actually shocked. There are a couple of managers who who we hadn't uh, thought of, assuming that Wiki is right. Uh, Doug Wilson is he's still in based San on, Jose. Based on my list, yep, 2003. Um, so. Assuming this list is right, um, Dave Poyle has been there since 97, so he's no. probably going to retire at some point. Um, then there's a six-year gap to Doug Wilson in San Jose, a five-year gap to Bob Murray in Anaheim, uh, Stan Bowman um, since 09 in Chicago. Chicago. And they're still trying to figure out how he has a job. Yes. Yep. Uh, Doug Armstrong, 2010. Kevin Chevaldeoff, uh, 2011. Everybody's favorite, Mark Bergevin, uh, in Montreal, 2012. Mm-hmm. And then Yarmo. There are actually, I'm amazed that there are that many general managers, particularly on some of on original six teams who have been around that long. I mean, Chicago, you can, I guess you can excuse it because the team has been successful. Uh, they've won cups, they've won playoff rounds. But Kevin Chevaldeoff? Mm-hmm. I, I think nine years, ten years is is a pretty long time. Mark Bergevin, he shouldn't have made it four years. Somehow he survived the worst of it. And, and he's looking much better at this point. We're gonna we're gonna touch base on that one later in the show too, because I, well yeah okay, <laughs> um, I just I, I'm happy for all the parties involved. They got what they wanted. Uh, well, we assume they got what they wanted. You know, Roslovic gets to play in front of his home, his home team, his hometown. Uh, Dubois got his trade, and he's closer to his family. The only one I. I is line a and I need to see more consistency from him. I, that's why I'm not sold on this deal. There were, I mean, there were rumors and, and things on Twitter sphere and whatnot that, that the Bruins actually were interested or the Bruins made a call or something, but the starting point was, uh, Pasternak and Bjork. Mm, not going to happen. Pasternak and Bjork. No, not going to happen. No. <laughs> Given the way that the team drafts, another a first and Bjork for for him. Okay, uh, for PLD. Yep, I I could do that. I could do that easily. The team can't afford. To, they, they can't get depth scoring from anywhere. Second line down, and you're going to give up the arguably the number one scorer for. Don't get me wrong. Dubois started to have his coming out party in the in the summer, but. Uh, Bruins still need a goal scorer, and to trade away the goal scorer 
would just it defeats the purpose. So that's was that wasn't happening. I just Liney's too streaky. We talked about this before. The the when that two seasons ago when he he come out of the gate and cold and then he had like that two week stretch or he had that one week stretch where he was the hottest player in the league where he had 11 goals in like three games yep. and then he went on a three month bender where he didn't do anything <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's just way, he was literally it's, nothing there's just no consistency to his game I mean, he he makes early career Philip Forsberg look consistent, and that's uh, <laughs> that's terrible. And we all know how much I love talking about second season Philip. <laughs> first uh, season Philip, frustrating as hell. <laughs> first half, first half. There we go. First half, first half Philip, frustrating as hell. Second half Philip, lightning in a bottle. Lightning. <laughs> I just. It, the video didn't tell me anything of substance, and, and I didn't notice the little uh, facial expression that you were talking about. I, I missed that. I, I I was listening more to the words, and the words coming out of his mouth just weren't telling me anything. And he even says in there, you know, I said I wasn't going to be detailed. I'm not going to give details, and I'm not going to give details. Well, that's great, but you're not blaming the players. The teammates are great. You love the teammates. You talked about Torts and how people told you he was going to be a tough coach and and he was somebody that you were going to learn from. And you did say that people are going to think that that's the problem. That's the reason why, but it's not. So not players, not coach. That leaves front office GM, own, you know, ownership or city. Or city yeah. I mean, I, theoretically, it could just be a family issue, and he wants to be closer to home. Or uh, I don't remember if he's uh, involved, and they wanted to, and uh, perhaps a significant other wanted to leave. But uh, that could—that's always a factor as well. In which case, do you really want him in Boston? Because we've dealt with players who had family um, situations. <laughs> And those are things that you just can't. Uh, those are things that you just can't predict until you get into the situation. Right. I mean, you can interview the player, you can interview their former coaches, and ask what's what's the player like. But the family factor is, yeah, it's ugly. It can be. Uh, I mean, we had uh, Boston had two of those players at the same time, and neither one of them lasted uh, the bulk of their career here. And both very successful where they are with the teams they're currently at now. Oh yes, I mean, one of them has has moved around a couple of times and has been pretty consistent. Uh, I don't know if he's managed to uh, tell that family member to. Uh, mind their knitting or he seems if other teams found, just don't care seems to have found a home in Carolina yes which uh which is kind of surprising because there were rumors of him being traded out almost as soon as he got there true um really really surprising story that popped up uh earlier this week mm-hmm um, apparently NBCSN is coming to an end. Uh, the network uh, is going to shut down by the end of the year. 
uh, okay, you and I, that could be an issue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you and I and a lot of fans will remember it was originally the Versus Network, um, yeah. and it was bull- it was pulled into the NBC family a couple of years ago. Um, ran over, ran into this story on the uh, Blue uh, Blue Seat blog or uh, two days ago. Dave wrote it. Um, it features a twint, a tweet from Joe Flint. Um, NBC sports is shutting down later this year and big events, NHL and NASCAR among them will migrate to USA network. Uh, okay. Uh, this is, this is kind of huge. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they're. They're running all their sports through there, and they run their, the, you know, they run the NHL, they run NASCAR through, through there. The, although, I mean, NASCAR, NASCAR is, doesn't pick up until the summer. The, 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 I think the contract starts for, and for NASCAR, I believe the contract starts in Fox, and 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 NBC doesn't pick it up until the midway point, like the 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 first July Daytona race or something like that. Um, so they that's something that they can hammer out between now and July. But uh, this is this is actually says, huge on it just as a casual entertainment consumption so it's, uh, story. Anyone who watches uh the WWE noticed that a cup that last year uh, about 12 months ago they moved one of their shows from USA to Fox. And I think this may have had something to do with it. Uh, if they were worried about being turfed out of uh, Friday nights on USA, establishing themselves with another network uh, had to be important. Uh, I mean, Monday Night Raw has been is the longest running episodic television show on the planet. Uh, as their opener will tell you every week, um, but this is this is big. Not only will it make uh, the NHL more accessible, uh, assuming that their contract uh, keeps running with them, because the article does point out that the NHL's contract with NBC is up after this season, um, so we could see negotiations anywhere. Um, my, uh, my personal dark horse is that one of the streaming services, perhaps Amazon will dive in, uh, to grab, uh, to grab the NHL. Well, uh, NBC and, and this is coming from somebody who also watches, um, soccer, the European football. And, and I know that I get a lot of grief for that, especially from my lovely co-host here. Uh, <laughs> but the the thing with that is that they've gotten to the point where they show certain matches on, on NBCSN uh, on Saturday mornings, Sunday mornings. I think that there's been, I think the, the, the blood has been in the water, the chum has been in the water, whatever phrase you want to use for for a couple of years now because they started they started with NBCSN and, and then they added a thing called the gold package where certain matches were being moved to streaming. And then last year NBC came out with Peacock. 
Correct. And Peacock is free, but if you want to get the sports stuff, you still have to pay for the Peacock, uh, mm-hmm. the plus, they don't call it that, but you have to pay for their their live content or whatever. And like uh, like any any good deal, you want to bring the customer in, get them to uh, get them attracted to your product, and then you kind of hit them with the okay. Now all the teams you watch are going to be on the paid section, and that's kind of what they've done with the team that I support in, in soccer in, in Chelsea because they used to every Chelsea match was always on regular TV. Well, this year with the paid version, now all of a sudden. Two thirds of the games have shown up on. <laughs> you got to pay for it, and it seems like that's what they're doing with NHL. They're gonna at the end of the year they're shutting down NBCSN, and based on the CNN business, the end of the year. I think it's going to be when the uh, playoffs end. It says here, it, it, according to CNN Business, NBC Sports Network is shutting down at the end of this year. The company said on Friday. Okay. So they could shut it down early. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm just. Based on what I'm reading from CNN Business, they're, they're, NBC is saying they're shutting it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it does indicate that they're going to be carrying over to – they're going to be carrying over to USA – uh, for and and simulcasting matches there, they're also going to be. It, there's also the possibility of using Peacock as a, as a, as another avenue of streaming the games to mm-hmm. customers. So it's. I think this has been in the works for a little bit longer than anybody is willing to admit to. Okay, here's a really, really honest question. Compared to watching the regional streams on <coughs> on the with the NHL package, are you satisfied or dissatisfied with national broadcasts? Uh, what they show now, they seem to be they seem to have good matchups. I mean, they seem they seem to stick no, no, no. with not the matchups. Oh. The actual broadcast teams. Well, they have lost um, what some would consider to be the voice of hockey in Doc Emmerich. You're not answering the question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I miss Milbury. I, I miss people who speak their mind. So you it's, miss Milbury. You miss Ronick. Okay, go ahead. It, it it seems stayed canned, milk toast, bland. Uh, yeah, you you got it. There you go. You got it. <laughs> I would rather watch the regional broadcasts. Flat out, I'll say it. They these the national team has turned into Brie Larson in Captain Marvel. It's room temperature tap water, and it it's just sad. They are concerned about the Milburys and, and the Ronick speaking their mind. and, and Look, Milbury and Ronick, as much as I love their candor, absolutely crossed some lines. They did. But Milbury 
Milbury in particular, Milbury in particular, because he was doing the broadcast. I mean, Ronick was in the booth, and his issues were outside of. Yeah, I mean, Ronick was fired for off-air stuff, right? Which, whatever, it's it's the network, and they can decide who they want employed there or not. But but you listen to the people who are on the shows now, and it's like Patrick Sharp really understands hockey but get getting a cogent concise opinion out of him Mm, no no no, No. because the minute anson carter starts speaking he agrees with anson yes and uh yeah and there's a there's been an awful lot of talk about his comeback so (laughs) Uh, if patrick sharp actually attempts to return to the league um No. See what I loved. What I loved about Milbury is what I love about the broadcast team, the broadcast pairings in soccer. They're not afraid to speak their mind. If you watch a soccer match from England, you get the you get the English commentators. They're not afraid to tell you that it was a stupid play and and what was he thinking at this moment in time? And I don't get it. And Milbury was like that. He would he would speak his mind. He would say, "I don't understand why he's making that play. It's foolish. I don't. Under, it, it's a stupid thing to go hit this guy or do that." Gilbert yes. was the breath of fresh air. Yes. And now it's now it's now it's a really good excuse to either not watch or watch with the volume off. Yeah, I, I I would also rather watch the regional broadcast. You get. Do you get the homers like like the Jack Edwards of the world? Yeah. But a lot of them know their teams, which the national teams don't always do. And most of them have at least studied up on the actual roster of the other team on the ice. Hence why Nesson has kept Andy Brickley with Jack Edwards all these years. Those two have been together, what, close to 20 years at this point? Maybe longer? Yeah, something like that. It's been a while since they got, and 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 they and Brickley was even there before Jack when they had Dale in the booth with him. And so Brickley, is, Brickley has been the the standalone, mainstay. the mainstay. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. But but his his hockey knowledge, his his the way he's, he's able the stand, to he's the gold standard. Like the way of, he's able to break things down and explain how how this play worked and why this one didn't and. What he should have been, what the winger should have been doing on this particular moment. You know, he, he got caught puck watching. He should have been in the corner doing. It. Yes, when Jack turns to him and asks him to explain something, it makes you want to listen because he's going to explain it and he's going to explain it in a way that you can understand it. That's <laughs> that's just the way it is. And so yes, I would rather watch regionals. Uh, the thing with scoring being up, I don't, I don't know how difficult it's going to be for for the NHL to get another national contract somewhere. ESPN oh, may actually want them back now that scoring is up and that uh, viewership is uh, is up and 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 there's going to be 32 markets versus the 20 that that were in the league uh, the last time ESPN had hockey or a major well, percentage of hockey. 
Well, yeah. when they had hockey, the rival, the big rivalry was the Colorado and Red Wing at the Avalanche Red Wing rivalry. So, oh, that was don't, and don't that get was me wrong. It was it was tasty, and I loved every minute of it. <laughs> but that was their big thing, and it, and I, I think if ESPN ends up with hockey back, we might we might actually see a little more of the physical play return. Uh, cause I mean, they show MMA, they're not going to, they're not going to get their, uh, panties in a bunch over a couple of hockey fights. They're not going to do what N- uh, NBC does and turn the camera to the bench while guys are, while interesting stuff is happening on the ice. Yes. Uh, plus I think it would be better for the sport to get to have the players competing for ESPYs and winning ESPYs because while I'm not an awards show guy, it it can only help the brand for guys like Bergeron and to get recognized for, you know, just being an outstanding community member and player and Connor McDavid to get recognized as the best athlete of the year, not merely the best points producer in the NHL or, uh, you know, for a top goaltender, maybe Robin Leonard to get recognized for spectacular performance. I will say this. If ESPN is in the running to get the NHL contract, I want Gary Thorne and Bill Clement back doing hockey games again. (laughs) Their calls during those during those games and, and Bill Clement still does uh, Philadelphia Flyers games. Gary Thorne is still working, although he's doing baseball. Uh, I'm not sure if he, he, it's a possibility he may retire. I read somewhere that he was thinking about it and I know he's getting, he's getting a little long in the tooth, but wow. The, the, the way he was able to energize me at least, uh, with his calls during those, during those games. I mean, he, you would have thought that he was actually one of the regional commentators as opposed to a national commentator on ESPN. And that's, that's a gift that just doesn't exist in. It just doesn't exist in the national broadcasters. Yes. Some of them are knowledgeable about the game, but you don't see the passion, whatever, Whatever else you can say about Doc Emmerich, and I was less a fan than a lot of people. Um, he clearly enjoyed hockey. I don't know how much he actually enjoyed broadcasting the last two or three years. Um, and yes, he had some health issues, which may have uh, dampened the energy levels a bit. Yeah. But there's no question in my mind that when I turn on Nesson, there is no question in my mind that there is nothing Jack Edwards would rather be doing than standing in the booth and calling a hockey game. He gets himself excited up there when they do cut to a camera of him in the booth and he's pumping, he's pumping his fist. Uh, he, he gets himself worked up when he's up there. I, I and mean, it this might, is, and this I is think a, that. This is a <clears throat> grown man who is well, pa- who is <clears throat> somewhat past middle age. 
who has been seen bouncing up and down in place in the booth in recent years. This is a guy who is utterly passionate about what he does, and he hasn't done it frequently, but he's done national broadcasts too, and he's just as good. And I think that I think I think Andy riles him up a little bit. Oh, <laughs> Andy plays him like a violin. <laughs> well, I was trying to be nice about it, but yes, he does. <laughs> Knows the buttons to push. <laughs> and it's it's utterly hilarious to listen to them when you've got a <clears throat> questionable game going on a questionable quality game going on. And the two of them are still absolutely enjoying themselves covering the game, but winding each other up in some not so subtle ways. Well, Jack, Andy, Andy can wind Jack up. Cause all he has to say is that that might've been a questionable call. <laughs> That's all he has to say. Yeah. And then just sit back and then because <laughs> Jack's going to take it from there. <laughs> so Jack and Brick have been together since the 05, uh, 06 season. Wow. Um, only 15 years. OK, only 15 years. Well, I, I didn't uh, well, and that was that partial. Way. That was partial because Dale was covering the home games that year and Jack was covering the road games. OK, uh, it was the 07, 08 season where they started working together full time. And it feels it feels longer like I it does. They it feels like they've been together. I mean, like, like I said, it they, feels like they've been together since like TV 38 when I forget the Fred gentleman's Cus- name. Fred Cusick and Derek Fred, Sanderson. Fred Cusick and Derek Sanderson. left. Oh, yeah. And that and, was. Mid- and then they brought in 90s. Bill Shea because they had a three man booth for a time there. I think it was Bill Shea. Uh, it was something Shea, but it, they had a three-man booth. But Derek Sanderson was—he—he he actually wasn't—he wasn't polished. But as far as a as far as a color guy and explain, he actually was pretty good. And he wasn't yeah, polished, so he didn't always get it out. He was solid, and that was okay. Yeah, but, but he wasn't spectacular, and I feel that. Dale Edwards as a as the color guy, play by play, whatever, um, during the broadcast, not his calling in the booth. He's excellent. Like in the intermission shows, pregame shows, that's his bag. Oh, yes. Like he does that and he can probably keep doing that until he can't read the teleprompters anymore. Uh, yeah, I know he, he is, he is great in, he is great in studio, Billy Jack, he's got Billy Jappy there with him. He's got, uh, they got Barry Peterson there with him. Uh, they did Barry a- Peterson's another guy who they had, I want to say they had doing the games at one point and it just wasn't right for him. I would yeah. Agree. yeah, I would agree with that. I, if he and, was, he's definitely a studio analyst guy and he's really good at it. Billy Jappy, obviously going back and forth between Nesson and, and the NHL network. Uh, Razor still needs a little bit of polish. I mean, they're, they're, they've got a good crew the there. camera. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to be nice. Again. <laughs> I mean, 
if I were the cameraman, I would be wiping. I, I I'd feel the urge to like wipe saliva off of the camera on a regular basis. <laughs> uh, same with. I mean, Andrew Alberts isn't quite as bad, but he's still. Billy Jappy. There were a couple of times where Billy Jappy had to help him out, so he's he he still needs a, a little bit of polish as well, a little bit of work. Uh, and and we're we're very much digressing here, but I guess the ultimate thing is NBC, uh, the NHL losing NBCSN, kind of big. Losing and, or outgrowing? Hmm. Are they losing them or are they outgrowing them? Uh, well, if NBCSN is going away, they're losing them. But the contract is up, anyways. No, that's right. If the contract is up, but putting them on USA Network is USA Network is not a, a. Is it a step up? It's not a dedicated quote unquote sports network, though. No, but I mean, neither is TNT, and TNT has been carrying the NA, uh, the NBA forever, like forever. Um. If they can make it work, I mean, like you said, the contract is up, but if they decide to stay with NBC and their games end up being on USA, I think it's a boon for getting people to watch USA broadcast shows. And I think it means it probably very, very sadly means less less reality television in the world, which. uh, Oh, that would be terrible. Terrible. That would be just awful news. a tragedy too great to be born. Yes, agreed. Agreed. Uh, yes. What else okay. Do you want to cover? I don't know. We got things up here like the sloppy hockey pass. We got Josh Manson. Although I think we need to revisit that link. Um. Yep. That Josh Manson <laughs> link is definitely definitely wrong. <laughs> Um, we got but Josh good. Manson was injured, uh, as oh, okay. most of you know. Um, he will be out uh, several weeks. I mean, speaking of injuries, Joe Thornton is done for a month. Woof. Broken ribs. You know, if he were 10 years younger, uh, he'd probably play through them. That's what I was thinking when I first heard it. I was I was thinking that it was possibly, uh, you know, this is less about the ribs and more about the fact that he's a 41-year-old with broken ribs. Because, yeah, could he have come back in a couple of years? Because there's nothing they can really do for them. You can't, you can't, you know, put a cast on them like you can a broken arm. All no. you could do is wrap them and... and Okay, so you don't play the first week, week and a half, because getting hit is going to hurt like mm, uh, Dickens. Yeah, there's a. But at some point, yeah, I, I think the the four week window I think is more due to the age factor than the fact that it's the ribs. But yeah, I was I was I mean to have him go back to Toronto, him go to Toronto and and and. and now not be able to play for a month. It was like, ouch, okay. How long is Josh Manson going to be out for? Uh, Josh Manson uh, is expected to miss uh, six weeks with an oblique muscle injury suffered Monday uh, versus Minnesota. Um, I honestly, I honestly can say I did not see how it happened. So 
that's going to be really, really painful. And it usually keeps baseball players out more out longer because of the the twisting and so if they're twisting if they're twisting bodies around to avoid hits and whatnot, yeah, that's gonna hurt. I mean, I've I've had some like bad bruises in that area, but like actual muscle strain, ew. <laughs> Just and it's not like I mean. In some ways, it's it's more bad for for Manson than it is for the team. I, I think we're all aware that not much was going to happen this year for the Anaheim Ducks. Are you trying to say the Anaheim Ducks are not not good? Um, they are in fact seventh in a really really weak division. Well, that's not fair. There's eight teams in that division, so they are not bottom of the barrel. But they do have the same points percentage. Oh, okay. And less goals for. Um, and yeah. In five games, the Anaheim Ducks have scored a total of eight goals. That sounds like Minnesota Wild a couple of years ago in the playoffs. <laughs> Um, not quite, or yeah, about the same level. It was, it's, it's pretty much the same level, five games, eight goals. And then everybody wondered how they couldn't get out of the first round. Well, when you score eight goals in five games, you're not going very far in the playoffs. (laughs) Yeah. The math uh, does not support advancement. No. But speaking of standings and I, I, I know I predicted them to be in my top four. Uh, yes, you did. In, in in the north, but the I even I didn't predict the the only person I know that actually predicted them to be in first place that I am aware of is Brian Burke. But and Montreal can is uh, yeah. Burke is a sharp guy. But at the moment, Montreal Canadiens are flying pretty high. Zero losses. They're four zero and two in their six games. They've got a win. They got a win a percentage. Is it a win percentage or just a, a points non- percentage? Points percentage of eight thirty three. Which uh, uh, so they eighty three percent of the points they could get, they got. Uh, which 29, is twenty nine goals for. Okay, scroll down the list and tell me any other team that has 20. I'll give you the answer. It's one. Go ahead. Who is it? Philly. Yeah. However, the problem there is that Philly has given up 22 goals. Montreal has scored 29 goals on their own and only given up 18. So not only are they scoring more, Kotkaniemi looks is, is finally growing into his body. I think, but he, he looks really good as opposed to the rookie who was eh. uh, Nick Suzuki for real. The defense. Not as a, not as uh, not the terrible uh, or questionable defense that everybody thought that I mean, Jeff, Jeff Petrie and obviously Shea Weber. They've got guys on all the lines that are playing. Jake Evans is playing like. Uh, did anyone even know who Jake Evans was before this season? <laughs> Definitely his agent. And, <laughs> and while well, his agent is smiling right now. So 
The only thing I don't have in front of me is Carey Price's statistics. Is this the Carey Price of old, or are we? <laughs> um, good question. Uh, I'm, I'm I have pulling them up as we speak. <laughs> I hadn't actually looked uh, at the goalie stats yet this year. Um, I was going to wait around and do it uh, in the future, but Carey Let's Price see. actually, Carey Price actually not lighting it up. He's got an 8.93 save percentage and a 3.4, 3.14 goals against. Not exactly lighting it up. So this team is doing it offensively. Jake Allen, the backup, has played in two games and has a 9.07 with a 2.01 goals against. Again, not lighting up the world, but better than Carey Price. I think the key is that the skaters in front of him and, and are doing their job and buying into Claude Julien's system. And what did I say a month and a half ago that this was going to be? You're the coach. Yes. Not, not, not disagreeing with that at all. It's all about the coach, the system, uh, the adjustments that that coach can make going through because they're going to have to navigate, unfortunately, the the health issues that are going to certainly come. I mean, we just saw Dallas play their first game of the season because of those health issues. Yep. So, it, 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 and if I'm, you look at the teams in every division who have the best coaches, mm-hmm. they're pretty much all in the top four. Columbus, six games in, in a very interesting division this year. I mean, very, very interesting. Um, they're in second place. Yes, they've played more games than anyone else in the division, but they picked up points in four of those games. So, oh, wow. So since I hinted at it earlier, I I, I can't let it go. Is Is, are we able to, do we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and say that Mark Bergevin isn't the um, less than stellar general manager? I think that we thought he was. I think that his record shows that he did not make wise decisions in the first few years of his tenure. And then he has in a lot of ways corrected some of them. I mean, does he have somebody whispering in his ear? I mean, you bring in Josh Anderson, you bring in Tyler Toffoli. Tyler Toffoli has been, I mean, granted all his goals have come against Vancouver, but Tyler Toffoli. who didn't keep him. Yeah, go ahead. He brings in Nick Suzuki. Has Corey Perry even played yet? Uh, He was recalled uh, from the taxi squad, so he may have played uh, this week, but Honestly, I think that uh, Mark Bergevin just listens to the show. Well, that's a good possibility as well. Absolutely. Uh, oh, and then they got the rookie Alexander Romanoff on defense up there, who nobody has really mm, talked about. And he might even be OK with that, because with the spotlight not shining on you, you can perform. I mean, once it starts getting warm under those lights, it it, it gets a little bit more difficult to mm, stay hidden and 
avoid the interviews and the, and and the all the the uh, for lack of a better word paparazzi that comes with it. Uh, but Alexander Romanov, twenty one year old defenseman, he looks pretty good. Plays both sides. I mean, the, the the players he's brought in and the, and the way he's put this team together. Yeah, there was a time where I thought that Mark Bergevin I couldn't figure out what the heck he was doing, couldn't seem to navigate uh, his way out of a paper bag with his, with his two hands and a flashlight. <laughs> but something something clicked, or somebody's in his ear, or he listens to the show, which is a very good possibility. Uh, yeah. And, and they they look good. I mean, but realistically, he had to have learned from his first four or five years uh, in the in his in his chair because he was a joke, flat out yes. a joke. Yes. From 2012 to probably 2016. And then he traded away Mike. And then he traded away Michael Sergachev. And Oops. that was. Arguably his last bad move. Oops. Yeah. He's made, he's made some trades that were eh, flat or just about even since then. But the last three, four seasons, he really hasn't had any big flubs. I think that part of it, part of it was hiring Claude Julian Bringing in Claude, who has won everywhere, uh, who has won at every level, you know, just um, it's been and it's been almost four years. Uh, it was February of seventeen when uh, when Claude was brought in. You know, ten minutes after he was uh, let go here in Boston. <laughs> yes, I want to know. I want to know what Claude has done, or or what techniques he's used to turn Thomas Tatar around. Thomas Tatar, Jeff Petri. Um, he Thomas Tatar is now a. I mean, granted, six games this season, but he's a points per game player. Last year, he played sixty-eight games, had sixty-one points. I mean, his first year with Montreal, first full year with Montreal, he only had fifty-eight points in eighty games. But before that, I mean, he had he'd only crossed fifty points once. So. Whatever it is, when he came to Montreal, whatever Claude said to him, I don't know, pulled him aside, whatever he did, it, he's getting performance out of Tatar that the Red Wings never could. For that matter, you can you can make the same uh, ask the same question about Joel Armia. I mean, Joel Armia uh, was in was in Buffalo uh, for you know one whole game, and then uh, three seasons with Winnipeg. And topped out at 29 points in 79 games last season, 58 games, uh, 30 points, and then half a point per game in the playoffs this year. What is Joel Armia doing through five games? Five points. Point per game player. And a a plus six. I mean, (laughs) that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, he's, uh, he's getting he's getting production from guys that and other people haven't. Period. Should we should we be surprised having seen no. him here in Boston? I don't think we should be surprised at all. No, uh, like people, uh, the people who were hating Claude Julian before he was let go and after 
uh, you were not paying attention. Uh, flat out not paying attention um, to all of the players who wanted to play and what were willing to put in the effort uh, who succeeded under him. Smartest thing Bergevin did was hire Claude Julian. Hire Claude Julian, and I would love to see the turnover in coaches uh, in um, in scouts around the same time because I think he's made better decisions just in who he's brought in, not just had the success of Julian's uh, influence on players. And just to put a nice tidy bow on this whole little discussion about our arch rivals, they're in first place in yep. in, in in the north. Uh, they make the playoffs. They most likely will. Come the end of the year, they have one, three, they six, have nine, a ridiculous 12. number of draft. Picks. They have fourteen draft picks. They have six in the first three rounds alone. If they can't hit with at least two players in that for in those this, first three rounds, let's say you hit on two of the two out of six, yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I would not be surprised to see them moving up heavily in this draft or uh, in, in this this summer. Like they've got, you, they've tra- got the they've got capital to make the moves. They get, trading, they, you know, two uh, two fourths or two fifths, and their second to move up, for, and one second to move up for a fourth or for a first rather. Um, and getting, you know, getting six or seven picks out of the first three rounds, uh, seven or eight picks out of the first three rounds and just restocking their system because that, they have a lot. They have a lot of RFAs and UFAs on their roster. I'm not even going to count them um, because it's it's almost everyone like almost everyone is due a contract uh, after this be. season. Not the defense. Defense is all contracted out except for Victor Mete. No, no, no. Look, look in their system as well. Look at their oh, forwards. Okay. I didn't. I didn't look at their minor league system. Yeah, no. Their minor league system. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of work. To, uh, there's a lot of work for Bergevin to be doing this year. A lot of house cleaning. Because mm-hmm. how I mean, how many of these guys have they hit on? I mean, I know who Lauren Dauphin is, but he's 25 years old. He's not exactly a. a that's I mean, that's part of the point, but they they will still need warm bodies and hopefully actual prospects to play on their uh, AHL team. And their and it doesn't appear that many of these guys are going to that figure into their NHL plans. Yeah, no. Caden Primo will stick around. He's got another couple years anyway. Uh, Kaiden Goulet is 19. Out of all of their players, these non-rosters, and we're looking at Cap Brunley for all this, but out of all the non-rosters, there's only like five that are actually under the age of 25. Yeah, that's that's a lot of... There's a lot of older... Can you call them prospects when they're 25, 26? 25, 26, maybe 28, 29. No. Okay. Fair enough. They're career AHLers at that point. Um, 
I think we're actually going to leave the Canucks alone this week. They've had a, they've had a rough week. That's nice of you. Yeah. Um, Montreal has had their way with them. <laughs> but uh, our good buddy Dominic Tiano has uh, tweeted earlier today mm-hmm. that he thinks the return of Pasternak and Cache will be the end of Bjork. I first thought right off the top of my head, unscripted, and all of this is unscripted, but first thought off the top of my head is Bjork, yes. Kasha, no. I don't know. Having seen Sweeney act the way he does with players and the way he's made deals or hasn't made deals, I think he tends to fall in love isn't the right phrase, but fall in love with players. I don't think he's going to get rid of Kasha, but it's a possibility that, yes, you'll see Bjork go. And it's really only a question of whether he'll be out of the organization entirely uh, via trade or, you know, waivers and someone else claiming him, or if he'll get moved to the taxi squad um, without, and that, and he does require waivers for that. So there's a chance they lose him for nothing. Um, So they've got the trade deadline. They've got, till the trade deadline to make some moves. And it's not like the Bruins. Well, it's not like the Bruins have drafted. Well, uh, it's not like they can score either. They can't. I'm amazed that they're in second place in their division right now. Uh, Apparently they scored six goals last night and I couldn't tell you who it was because I actually did not see the game last night for the first time this season. Uh, yeah, I was not, uh, I was not able to watch either, but, uh, the other, the, even the game before where they scored four games or four goals, five goals and the shootout winner, it wasn't a good game. Like, yeah, uh, I've asked, I asked you before the season and I put it into today's, uh, topics when do we? When does the sloppy hockey because of no uh, preseason games pass expire? Like yes. when do we start calling out teams for just being bad? Is it now? Do we start calling teams out now? Five to six games in for most of them. That's I, about how many preseason games most get most play, most clubs play. Okay, so we're gonna wait until next week to really start digging in on the teams that are that are are not performing well i just i i think that in some cases because of the way the season is i i don't i don't want to go giving out free passes and and you know our coach is going to get fired not going to get fired our team's playing sloppy there's some sloppy play out there and it it should have been i think it should have been fixed by now I think that the team should should I think teams should be gelling. I think that line mates should be gelling, especially if they play together all the time. Is bringing pasta back going to affect the top line? I don't think it yes. will because you think it will. Oh, absolutely! You it think will. it's going to throw off the chemistry, even though he's been on that line for I a season and a half, two seasons now. Oh, it's longer. It's mostly it's it's been longer than that, but. Um, I think that Pasternak back with Bergeron and Marchand, if they decide to do it that way, 
Um, I think that they probably need the depth scoring enough that it makes sense to put him with Krejci uh, and whoever else is on the is on the other end. Um, because I mean, him and Krejci have been productive together too. Mm-hmm. Um, and they desperately, desperately need scoring, like depth scoring. Uh, I mean, in last night's game, Bergeron had two goals. Marchand had two goals. That's that's your top line that's, performing. Like I was going to say, line. that's the that's the not getting depth scoring though. <laughs> Bergeron and Marchand are two thirds of your top line, and the other two goals came from uh, Smith and Coyle. Hey, I mean, Craig Smith finally got on the on the score sheet. Yes, both of them had a goal and an assist. And uh, without having seen the game, I can make a pretty good guess as to where their assists, uh, each of their assists, came from. Each other? Don't they play on the same line? Ding ding ding. <laughs> Glad I could get the buzzer to go off in my favor there. Um, and it's, there was no Grizzly in last night's game. It, uh, he did leave the game before or two games before he left with a. a yep. Have they announced that it, it's a broken arm or a broken wrist? It did not look good when he uh, I have not off. seen an announcement, uh, but. Uh, Lozon had an assist. Zaborl had an assist, uh, although he was a minus one. Um, and McAvoy had an assist. So you only got production. Well, you only got three assists on six goals from your defense, which is somewhat worrisome. Well, uh, so either they're not utilizing the defense in their attack or they're not getting good outlet passes from the defensive zone. And I think that that's probably the case. If you're, I mean, Connor Clifton saw his first action, 18 minutes uh, and change. Um, If I'm going to be honest of the guys who were on the ice last night, what I've seen from them in their last 20 games, Mm -hmm. you're going to hate hearing this. And I more hate that it's true. I think Kevin Miller makes the best outlet passes, and <laughs> the only re- the only reason why I hate it, the only reason why I hate it, is because the man hasn't played in two years, and yet he's been vaulted to, as far as outlet passing goes, he's been vaulted to the top of the list instead of guys like <clears throat> Hall of Famer, um, uh, and the. When you look at Grizzly. the minutes for last night, um, this game must have been over fairly early because the playing time among the six defensemen was pretty much even. But they don't really have they don't really have that top pairing that you're going to have. No, 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 no. no. When I say pretty much though. even, I mean. Uh, where was I? Uh, when I say pretty much even, I mean almost identical. Um, but you would have to because it, if you had the top, it, Chara eats up twenty-four no, no, minutes no. a night. Chris, 
Charlie McAvoy played 20 minutes and 40 seconds with no penalty minutes. Okay. Uh, Connor Clifton, 1812. Mm-hmm. Lozon was the low man with 1719. Brandon Carlo, 2032. Kevin Miller, 1946. Um, and then uh, Zaboral, 1951. That is a little too balanced. Wow. And no, the game wasn't over early. I mean, it was the Bruins. It was one none. It was one nothing after the first. Um, it was three to one after the second, and the Bruins, well, turned it on for three goals in the third. Uh, but <sighs> yeah, uh, that's just. That's worrisome. Like, I'll make whatever jokes, mostly jokes, I will, I want to about whatever players because, well, I don't think that McAvoy is a top 10 or top 15 defenseman in the league. Nope. He's certainly not a bottom third defenseman either. Agreed. And for him to only play 20 minutes and 40 seconds, I mean, that's two to three minutes below his average for the last two years. Um, Brandon Carlo at 2032, uh, that's also worrisome because he's the best defender on the team. The best defender. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's nice to see that Lausanne, uh, is eating a lot of those shorthanded, uh, minutes, um, him and Carlo, had uh, Carlo had two and a half minutes of shorthanded time on ice. Lozon had two twenty two, and then there was everyone else. Uh, I mean, Miller was at one twenty nine, Clifton was at uh, fifty seven, McAvoy was at forty two, and Zaboral didn't get any. Am I crazy, or did Brendan Carlo actually score a goal a couple of nights ago? Um, you are crazy, but Brendan Carlo did actually score a goal a couple of nights ago. Wow, you managed to sneak both of those in. That was pretty good. <laughs> I am. <laughs> oh, and there they go. So, do you do you really do you think it will be Bjork who get who slides out of the out of the uh, lineup, think, or will it be someone else? I think it's going to be Bjork first. I I, don't I know. really I, like Anders Bjork. I always have. I, think I know you have, and I don't have anything against him. I'm not. I just. But I, he clearly doesn't fit in the coach's worldview of how things are going to work. And he hasn't produced enough to make the argument. I think if he can go elsewhere, wherever they decide to move him to, um, and have a really good rest of the year, it sets him up to be a solid part of someone's lineup going, uh, going forward after that. I know you, and, and this is this is not quite off topic. I know you like the kid. Um, I saw a little bit of Anaheim playing the other night. Okay. Yeah, who they were playing against. It wasn't it wasn't a long. It wasn't. I didn't watch the whole game or anything like that. But I just saw they were on, like they were doing look-ins for NHL Network or whatever it was. And Danton Heinen looks really good in an Anaheim uniform. He yep. was playing hard, physical, good puck movement, good stick handling. Still can't score. 
when I looked at him, when I saw that kid come in to the league, my first thought was PJ Axelson 2.0. He is. But PJ could score. No, PJ couldn't. PJ could barely score. And most of it was shorthanded. He had, he had memorable goals. He didn't have many of them. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I have to. I mean, as look, much as I don't want to, I have to agree. I there are few bigger PJ Axel Axelson fans on the planet than myself. Mm-hmm. But all score, no. I'm not saying he was prolific at it. I think he scored more than Danton Heinen has. In 797 games in the NHL, P.J. Axelson had 107 goals. That's one every seven games. Um, and that was with <clears throat> mostly not as good goaltending. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, Axelson played through the 08-09 season um, when Denton Heinen was like 11. Yeah, that sounds about right. I just actually, I, I think Axelson was one of the scouts for uh, who brought in. He brought Heinen. Pasternak and and possibly Heinen, but I think I think I think Pasta was a, a PJ fine too. And let's see, Denton Heinen in two hundred and thirty four games has. Uh, 37 NHL goals. Um, his career high is 16, and I think PJ's was like 13. So they're they're really fairly close uh, as far as yeah, it's as closer far than as I, it's closer than I thought it was. I just I just think in in term bringing it back real quick. I just 17 for PJ. Okay. In that marvelous. To- uh, oh, yeah. two, oh, three season. Oh, yes. Oh, two, oh, three. Just I think before bring... the golden draft. <laughs> when you can draft your captain in the second round. Ah, uh, yes. So bringing it back to Kasha and Bjork. Yeah, I think that. I don't know how much sway Sweeney has over everyday actions on the team. But I think that Kasha sticks and Bjork doesn't. End of story. Yeah. And the thing there is Kasha needs to actually be healthy for the Bruins or he's not going to be here long either. Oh, I I completely agree. This is Kasha's second. I mean, this is his second chance opportunity. I mean, he he had time in Anaheim. He was playing with guys named uh, Perry and Getzlaff. Whether he was on their lines or not. Yeah, Yeah, toward the end of their careers, but Getzlaff's still playing there and still looks physical. I'm not saying that he's the goal scorer he once was, but he's still playing physical, so he's not easing up. Not not what I saw of that snippet of game from the other night. He's he's still getting physical out there and and knocking people around, so. Okay. Uh, Have you looked at the Bruins' overall stats for the year yet? Overall stats? No, I have not. Uh, for the for the individuals, okay. There are three players who are point per game at this point. The first two are pretty obvious. Even if you don't, 
even if you didn't know that they had both had two goals in their last game, you'd probably guess them in your first three choices anyways. Mm-hmm. If you can guess the third person who is a point per game so far this year, on your first try or second try, I will buy you a bottle of anything up to a hundred dollars. <laughs> Nick Ritchie. Why? Uh, you were looking. Nope. It is indeed Nick Ritchie. I also know that Nick Ritchie has two goals on the season. Somehow. <laughs> yeah, and you don't. You don't have assists. to. Get, you don't have to get me. I didn't realize he had three assists. It, it, it only made sense because of the lead up that you put on it, that it was going to be somebody completely unexpected and it wasn't going to be a defenseman. So I was, my first guess was Nick Ritchie. My second guess would have been, I don't know, Charlie Coyle. Charlie Coyle, at least. Yeah, I don't know. But even Charlie Coyle would be closer to the expected than the unexpected. Yes. I mean, and I know and I also know that DeBrusque is still underperforming and I don't understand it. Well, DeBrusque has had to play on his offside again. Uh, I mean, he's been playing on the right side when he's clearly a left winger. Um, and I don't know why they keep doing that to him. Uh, other than the coach thinking he's brilliant, which. Um, well, we have other topics. Actually, the only topic I see left is D versus expectations. Um, Unless that was the Bruins D versus expectations. Yes, it is. Uh, very specifically. Ah. So that was that. Uh, the only thing is the feel good story that I put up here on Bobby Ryan, because he after returning last season and winning the Masterton Trophy, he ends up uh, signing a free agent deal with with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, and yes, they're not a very good team. Wow. So bringing in, bringing in, in veterans like that and, and, and Mark Stahl and, and whatnot around the league. But as it turns out, Bobby Ryan, after missing a couple of games right at the beginning is actually kind of, uh, taking the Red Wings by storm here. He's got, Got himself a few goals. Got himself a couple of a handful of points. He's a point per game. The team, the team, I mean, the team captain Dylan Larkin. I can't say enough good things about him. You know, Bobby Ryan had a really interesting childhood. If you've never heard about it, uh, um, you're luckier than he is, um, and. It's not surprising that he had some of the troubles that he did for unfortunate, an unfortunate amount of his career. But the fact that he's actually gotten himself right in the head um, and whatever else happens will finish his career uh, clear headed and on an up uh, on an upswing. Is awesome, like really, really awesome. I know people who have had similar life experiences to him and not all of them got, not all of them got things straightened out. And, and, and I mean, they got Jeff Blaschel touting his, 
when he's skating well, he can use his skill set. He's got really good hands, really good offensive mind. Uh, impressed with his leadership. He's the fourth oldest player on the Red Wings. Uh, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, <laughs> does that mean that he's old or does that mean that, okay, he's just not as old as, you know. Uh, They're not a particularly young team right now. Really? Um, well, uh, no, I guess. Eh. I, I think, well, I their, think average, a... their average forward age is 28.2, which is not particularly young. Um, and their defense is actually 28.7, uh, which is definitely not young. Um, but, eh. I mean, Mark Stahl is 34. Uh, Alex Biega is 32. Actually, it looks like it's mostly mid-career people on this on this roster. Uh, you've got Franz Nielsen at 36. Uh, Valtteri Fupula at 36. Um, a couple of 31-year-olds. Okay. And Bobby Ryan at 33. Uh, I mean, yeah, they're they're not a young team. Uh, I mean, that's a ta- that that forward roster still has three 21 year olds and a 24 year old, and their captain Dylan Larkin. I mean, in the, in this crazy in this, this this crazy setup that they have for the for the for the the the, the divisions and le- and playoffs and whatnot, the Red Wings. While I still don't expect that they're going to make it, are actually tied for the fourth spot in the Central. Now, okay, it's the Lightning and the Blue Jackets and the Hurricanes, and then the rest of the teams are battling it out only because the Stars haven't played more than one game. But they've got 10 points, same as the Panthers, same as the Predators. They're not... uh, Bobby Ryan is performing at four goal at at a goal per game through their first five games. Yeah. Um, I would love to believe that he's going to continue that pace. uh, You can. You can believe it. In reality, I don't expect it. (laughs) Even if he drops back to a phenomenal, you know, three quarters of a goal per game. They're going to backslide a little bit. That said, it's fun to watch. It, it's it's got to be fun to watch Bobby Ryan coming in there and succeeding. Like guys, some of the other guys who certainly probably haven't fallen as far. But take Christian Juice. He was on a he was on a Stanley Cup winning team not very long ago. He's somehow on the Washington. taxi squad. He's somehow on the taxi squad of the of the Detroit Red Wings. Dude has a Stanley Cup ring from the seventeen eighteen season, and uh, taxi squad. And he's on the taxi squad of eighteen. And not that, and not because he's you know forty two years old and the skills have diminished. And Christian Juice is a young guy, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's in his mid twenties. Yeah. Uh, he's a creaky 26 years old. Oh goodness. Yeah, done. Yeah, I mean they probably uh they probably bubble wrap the floor and walls in his in his hotel rooms out to pasture. 
26. Wow, that's terrible. I don't understand why he's on the practice. He was good enough to play for a Stanley Cup winning team, and he played well. Yeah. And to be on the practice squad, I don't know what's going on there. But for a team that for a team that isn't expected to make playoffs, for a team that's in a quote unquote rebuilding mm-hmm. stage, and yet he's on. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. There's maybe there's a story there we should be diving into. Um. But for Bobby Ryan, this is good stuff. He signed a one-year deal. It was, a, and he even says, "For me, this was a prove-it year, an opportunity for me to take the step that I should have taken years ago, but hadn't been able to because of outside stuff." And he's taking his one-year prove-it deal, and he's showing that he can still do it. So, if Bobby Ryan at he's thirty-three today, he finishes the season with north of forty points. 56 game season, he basically can go sign anywhere for three plus million a year, right? I would think so. Um, I don't expect him to get any long term contracts, but probably two year deals at the at the most until two he year hit deal. The- I would be comfortable with that. Two years, even four million, if he can produce 40 points in 56 games, that's. A little over 0.7 a game, right around 0.7 a game. Okay. That's that's about as solid as you're going to get. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't complain uh, if I were almost anybody about him landing on my team. So in an 82-game season, you're talking somewhere between 60 and 65 points. Yeah. For a gentleman, and I'm going to say a gentleman of his age and and. and but he's still playing at a level where he can produce. Yeah, I'll take I will take 65 points a year from him for the next 2 years. <sighs> yeah, I'll give it a go. Uh so yeah, I mean, congratulations to Bobby Ryan and keep up the good work. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah, also have to uh um, you know, if this goes well for the whole season, you really, really, really have to look at yeah, uh, 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 wow, at Yeiserman and Blaschel and say, look, you guys handled this well. Um, because it it can't be an easy situation. I mean, Bobby Ryan is not the only person to have the issues that he's faced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's been one of the more spectacular cases in the last few years. Uh, but, but I'm willing to bet that when you sign a player like like Bobby Ryan, you know the talent is there. You wanna you wanna give him every opportunity. I'm willing to bet they do everything they can to support him with whatever with whatever they have support whatever he resources needs. they have. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the, I mean, one of the nice things about being an original six team and being in one of the bigger cities in North America is there are multiple options for that, those off ice, out of arena resources Mm -hmm. um, to help people like this. Uh, In a smaller city, might not happen. 
or there might not be as many resources or resources that are compatible with, with the individual. Agreed. Uh, I think we've actually cleared the board this week. We have indeed. In that case, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for listening. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the standings. going to talk a little bit more about uh, the individual stats and milestones and whatever else comes across the board. You can find me at PuckSage. You can find me at The Offwing. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let us know what you think of the show. Share it with your friends. And have a great week.